Hey everybody, and welcome back to Giant Talk, the world's first OKR podcast. So once again, I'm joined by Brett Knowles from PM Squared Consulting. Hi, hey. Brett. Hey, how are and, you? And this is the second podcast in our in our little mini series of three, um, all about Fog's behavior change model and um, how you can utilize the theories behind it to help you implement OKRs better, faster, cheaper, and, and overall better, really. Um, so I think it really helped, Brett, if it's okay with you, if you could just give us a, a really quick recap of what we discussed on the last podcast. Sure. So BJ Fogg has developed a bunch of um, logic and frameworks around how we help organizations change. Many people think OKRs are a change activity inside the organization. And so uh, we've learned that his model actually helps us manage change in organizations effectively who are moving towards OKRs. His model basically is the standard horizontal vertical axis uh, model of uh, on the horizontal axis, he talks about the organization's ability and the vertical axis is motivation. So if I'm in the top right corner of that matrix with high motivation, high ability, implementing OKRs is slam dunk easy. Mm -hmm. If I'm in the bottom left corner, low motivation, low ability, you're going to have to insert an awful lot of energy to go make the OKRs successful. Sure. Last time we spent some time talking about motivators and on the motivators that that vertical axis on the left really has two components, external and internal. External motivators are what comes to you from the boss and and the outside world. Okay. Altogether, not all that motivating. We've got this expression in North America that says uh, that the uh, carrot and the whip are meant for the ass in the middle. Uh, If we're trying to motivate employees with either uh, financial or other rewards or the cattle products are not performing, you know, the, the carrot and the whip, we're treating them like the ass in the middle. So mm. there's external motivators that we need to manage and intrinsic. Intrinsic are the uh, motivators you give yourself that would encourage you to be happy at work, but also happy at a sport, happy, you know, in music, happy in life. And there's five intrinsic motivators. They are purpose, mastery, progress, autonomy, and socialization. And if we can get those intrinsic motivators going, OKRs will be hugely successful. If we link it up with correct extrinsic motivators, it's easy peasy on the motivation side. Okay, right. I think uh, that's a good recap. I I hope that if anybody is tuning into this podcast now um, and hasn't listened to the first one, please do... uh, pause this one here and go go back to and listen to the first one because it, it really will help to set the scene. Um, but we, we ended the last one, Brett, with a very interesting analysis of, of your golf game. Uh, and you gave us a little metaphor there of where the two behind motivation and, and ability combine. And I think now really it's time to, to move on to that ability section. So, so what do we mean by ability then? Well, you know, you can't leave uh, readers dangling that forget that great story, right? The idea is I can be hugely motivated to play golf, but have no ability. I'm still going to go out there and play golf, and maybe I'll gradually, my ability will increase. But if I have awesome ability and no motivation, I'm not going to go out there and play golf. So mm-hmm. you've got to solve the motivation thing first, then move on to ability. Okay. So 
uh, academically, the things that we think about on ability, I, I should say non-academically to begin with. If you think of OKRs on the ability, you think the ability to track measures, the ability to you know, use facts and data to inform decision-making and a whole bunch of numeracy-related things. But mm. I want to broaden the scope. I want to say that the ability factors um, include time, right? If your organization doesn't have the time to give you to help implement OKRs, then you don't have that ability. Right. Money. It does take money to set up OKRs. It is, I don't think it's an awful lot, but you still have to get software and do stuff like that. You may have mm-hmm. to begin collecting new data. So again, if I don't have the, amount, the, the money to finance the project, again, lower ability. Sure. Uh, we need brain cycles. We need people to stop for a minute and think about their business. And that becomes, in fact, the biggest ability constraint that we don't have the ability or time with our brains to go fix it. Uh, we, we had one client who said, hey, Brett, we're, I'm so busy bailing, I don't have time to turn off the tap. Right. We need to stop, think about what does success look like? What are our objectives? Yeah. As measured by, what would the key results be? And, and that just takes some brain cycles. I don't think it's long. For most of our clients, it's a week, right? We start yeah. on Monday. By Friday, we have the operational OKR system because the knowledge is there. We just have to give people the space and the, to use their brain cycles to solve you know, the overall issue. Sure. And then uh, maybe second, but maybe even first, the last ability is this ability to put in a new routine, that Mm. there is a cadence of accountability that goes along with OKRs, uh, and there's a structure that we need to put in place. Uh, You know, we need to have those performance conversations. We need to structure those in a way that's effective. So those are the, the, the broad categories, and, you know, perhaps we should drill into each one of them to a certain extent. I think we should. Yeah. I mean, you know, let, let's kick off with time, I suppose, you know, you, you, you suggest that it is, it's a short period of time, you know, the way both of us work as consultants is, is to get it done in a week to get them to a point of, of OKR op- operation. Um, but you know, I, I, I would, I would kick back at that a little bit and, and, and say that people do have to accept that this is going to take a little bit of time to embed into company culture, isn't it? Uh, yes, exactly. And so uh, there's there's two elements of, of time. One is the actual, what I call touch time, the amount of time you have to spend uh, thinking about and building your OKR solution. Yep. And there's a second, which is what I call fermentation time or elapsed time, right? So okay. once you've got all the really good grapes into a barrel, I now need them to ferment. And it turns out that I can't, by putting it into five barrels, it doesn't get done five times as fast, right? It still takes a certain chunk of time. Mm -hmm. And we always say to our organizations that it takes about three quarters or three complete OKR cycles before you've you've got to like an 80 or 90% answer. You'll never Mm -hmm. get to 100%, but uh, it's amazing how we've dealt with organizations. We did one a little while ago. They've been around for about 250 years and they still had no clue what success looked like. And you go, how could you be around for so long and still not have sussed it? But they (laughs) haven't. 
So you just have to cut yourself the slack. I call it a stay home free card. I need to be able to uh, be bulletproof for three quarters so I can sort things out before it really gets into uh, the blood flow of the organization. Mm-hmm. And and the actual, the touch time that you mentioned at the beginning there then, I'm sure you get from time to time the same response that we get from clients of, we, we actually don't have the time to dedicate to do the touch time part, the initial five days or three days, however long it's going to be. You know, time time is a finite thing, I suppose. Uh, we're, well, we're not here doing a physics podcast, so we won't get too much into that. But what what would you suggest to the companies who really don't think they have the time to kick this off? Well, I'd say do the math. So uh, if you think about it for a second, let's say when you're first starting up your OKR uh, solution, it's going to take you a full week. So it's going to consume 30 hours. So put that as the numerator. The denominator is the amount of time uh, available to work in any given year. So typically that's about 17,500 hours. So if you take 30 and divide it by 17,500, that becomes a pretty low number. Would you dedicate 2% of your year in order to make sure the other 98% was productive? I certainly would. Yeah, like take your time with this. Don't want to rush you through it. <laughs> now, on a quarterly basis, it takes you about five hours to help manage 530 hours. Again, do the math. Yeah. So it looks like it's uh, consuming time. But if I get even a 1% performance boost, it pays me back. Yeah. What we do know is we get a 20% performance boost on average. So... Yeah. Yes, tough. I, you know, you're a young bloke. You don't remember the good old days. The good old days when we didn't have airbags and uh, crumple zones and uh, seat belts and stuff. And when they began adding that stuff onto automobiles, everyone went, well, gosh, you know, we've survived all this time without having that stuff. That's a waste of money. Like, why would I have all that extra weight and gas consumption and stuff to drag along a bunch of safety gear that I just don't need? Right. Well, yes, your organization has survived for 250 years without these things. Awesome. Aren't you lucky? But maybe, but maybe we need to add that extra structure. And the other part is this. The other part is back when I started consulting back in 1982, we used to do five-year plans for our clients. I can't imagine doing a five-year plan anymore. The uncertainty that we used to have out five years, I now have out one year. So my old five-year plan is now my one-year plan. My old one-year plan is now my one-quarter plan. So that time I'm putting in once a quarter is the time I used to put in once a year. And I Mm -hmm. do know if I don't put it in, all my competitors are, and they're going to beat me to the race. They're going to be more agile in the marketplace. So yes, it does consume time, but it gives you back way more time. Mm. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And you know, I would say if there are people out there that still have their doubts, Give, give me a, give me an area or a function or a department to work on and, and prove to you the the impact this has. And you know, if not an area, a, a team. And I think people will start to see just how exponential the the growth can be. Right? Yeah. Now there aren't many funny jokes about consultants, but if there were one, um, it would be around you know the idea that you know consultants come in, they take your work, change the font, and then feed it back to you. Yeah. Uh, The reason this doesn't take a long chunk of time is we're just taking the client's existing work. We're taking their existing strategy 
and translating that into action through OKRs. Mm -hmm. We're taking their existing processes and linking those objectives to it. We're taking their mm -hmm. existing metrics and using them as key results. So the reason that you can do this so quickly, Lawrence, is because the organization spent five years putting the bits and bobs in place. They just haven't joined them together. So the time is not that significant compared to the time they've already invested. The yeah, dilemma yeah. is they're right at the goal line and someone just needs to tap it over the line. And that's what your job is. Completely. And if at the very worst instance, the, the strategy isn't well documented, it's usually already in somebody's head. And it's just a matter of kind of getting it out of that head and, and, and into a, a strategy map and things, right? Sure. I call it a two beer exercise. You can take any entrepreneur uh, down. You could use coffee as well as a find and replace equation, but it's not a long journey. We just need to suck out of their brain. What does success look like? Yeah. Now, for many of our clients, they say, I, I get it. I agree, but we need the leadership team to own it. So we typically run a two day workshop in that situation to help the leadership team take ownership of what's in the executive's brain. Mm. But this isn't the old traditional, let's do a SWAT and PERT and God knows whatever else. It's more about let's have a conversation about what are our top 10 priorities and then yeah. let's weight those top 10 priorities so that it adds up to 100% of our strategy. Mm -hmm. And then let's link our existing budgets to each of those objectives. So mm -hmm. it isn't a long, painful, traditional uh, strategy, but it's about getting out of the entrepreneur's head into the team's head. And then you can take the next step of building OKRs. Yeah. Cool. So... That's time well covered, I think. Let's talk about money. Well, so the, the money part, obviously, is there's uh, incremental expense because you're doing something that hasn't done been done before. And that mm. money might be just buying donuts and bagels to feed the team while they go through that one-week workshop. It might be uh, Lawrence paying your exorbitant rates as an external consultant. <laughs> uh, uh, or no, no, no comment. <laughs> no, no. But, um, you know, the, the, the joke there yeah. is uh, if the organization has the internal ability to go do this, then go yeah. do it yourself. You don't need an external force if yeah. you've got the right motivation and ability in place already. If you don't, then it's going to be extra money. And, but, you know, trust me, spending the money on Lawrence is money well spent. It's a good investment, right? That's what I meant to say. Koan is a purpose-built solution for managing your OKRs. Helps your team achieve their objectives and key results, helps them get aligned, and it helps them stay engaged. Shared spreadsheets simply don't scale when you're using OKRs properly, and you're not going to have a maximum impact with them. But with Koan, you can scale your OKRs right across your entire company, keeping your team super motivated and moving everybody in the right direction. Roger, what's one of your favorite features about Koan? So the thing that I really love about Koan and have done ever since uh, I first saw it was how it really puts the conversation around OKRs at the heart of the system and it really helps stimulate that, which obviously brings really good collaboration. You know, they've got this uh, reflections feature which uh, helps uh, individuals really prepare for the the team conversation which is going to come up where the collaboration is going to take place so I, I, that would definitely be the thing for me which is the the killer feature of the system it's a bit like leasing a car not buying one so if you begin using one of these tools and you don't like it swap it out go for the other one so 
the idea is it's incremental money. It gives you big payback, whether I'm talking about the software, the bagels, or the consultant. But there is a certain amount of money involved in this. And we haven't seen many failures, but we have seen some failures where the organization didn't allocate the appropriate resources to uh, ensure success. The biggest mm-hmm. fault often is not getting the enabling software. You cannot do this on spreadsheets and post-it notes. There are too many bits involved, too many bits at play. And we all need to see what everyone is doing. Like any other yeah. team sport, you can't play football. If, if I'm playing forwards and I can't see what midfield is doing, I'm going to lose. I need mm-hmm. to be able to see the entire team. So yeah. I can't emphasize enough on the money side you need the enabling technology. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And um, it's people end up with a whole myriad of SaaS platforms that they're using in the business. And, and one of the kickbacks we often get is, oh, God, not another one. Um, but actually, I've seen people use OKR software to such a high impact that they've often been able to to turn off and unsubscribe to two, three, or even four of the other pieces of software that they were using before, because it all becomes about that prioritization and what's having the highest impact, right? Yeah, I mean, you're right. There's an ecology and, you know, we both have a dog in the fight. We believe OKRs solve all evil. But but I think people are using the wrong logic. Like, think of your cell phone. Do you ever think twice about adding another app onto your cell phone? Hmm. And when you add that app on, how often do you call the help desk to help them explain how to go use it? Yeah, exactly. Like this isn't, you know, my generation software. This is different stuff. You can, any of these applications, you can figure out how to go use it over top of one cup of coffee, or as I said before, one beer. The idea they're not complicated. And here's the thing, here's the equation that you've got to get. Pay attention. This part's on the snap quiz later. If it takes more time for the employee to feed the OKR system than the benefit they get back, it will fail. So if it takes me an hour to exaggerate things, to update my OKRs, and I only get back 10 minutes of benefit, or the only benefit I get is my boss comes back and beats me up sooner, it's going to fall apart. But if the opposite, let's say it takes you 10 minutes to update your OKR, but I get back an hour, that sucker will live forever right? It is a positive payback to the employee. So the idea is we need to make sure that it's a fair deal. This gives the employee back more than it consumes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, com- com- completely agree. And you know, one of the big areas that I've seen that start to happen in is when managers, team leaders, head of departments, whatever, traditionally, and I still see it happening, which blows my mind, they will put, to- put together a slide deck or something to present the progress of the department um, over the last quarter or the last month or whatever, when they have to go to a board meeting style thing. Now you can just pretty much scroll through the OKR system, right? So you're already saving hours there. Yes, you should never, ever, 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 and if I didn't say it before, ever, have a show and tell meeting. Mm -hmm. I should never show up in a meeting where either someone's presenting me information for the first time or someone's trying to boast about the work that they've done. This is not grade school. This is not show and tell. Imagine this. Imagine if before every single meeting, we had a chance to see how the whole organization is performing. Not only that, I can see their analysis, right? We use three questions. What, so what, now what? So what happened? So what, what's the implication if it continues? Now what, what am I recommending? So now I see red, yellow, green. 
I see the what, so what, now what, and I can answer for myself two questions, impacted on and impacted by. Impact on is what did I do that impacted on that performance? And impacted by is given that performance, how is my area impacted by it? So if IT is late on delivering their solution, I'm impacted on that by needing to have more temporary staff to fill in until it comes live, et cetera. So mm. now when I show up to the meeting, I know everything about the organization and I've talked to my colleagues, maybe I've had a team meeting, we processed it. Now that meeting is hugely different. It's no longer show and tell. Mm. But wait, there's more. What if the leader took a look at that overall OKR and allocated time for each problem? Hey Lawrence, this is a five minute problem. We're going to just time five minutes and then move on. This one over here, that's a big one. That's a 20-minute problem, and I want a 10-minute presentation from this SME. So now when the meeting comes in, it's completely orchestrated. And when yeah. it comes up to five minutes, if we haven't solved the problem, call timeout. Mm -hmm. Because if I can't solve it, it means either I don't have the authority or control in the room, or I don't have the knowledge. Mm. Either way, debating it longer is not going to make that knowledge appear or the authority or the control. Timeout, punt it to another meeting where I've got the right people, the right authority, the right time to go deal with it. So Absolutely. in this way, the meetings become way more effective. Now, I know I've snuck into sort of the, the fifth ability, which is about getting these routine performances, uh, behaviors. So think of church. Church happens every week, the same day at the same time. And it begins whether you happen to show up or not. What if we ran the performance meeting the same way? We now have read the information in advance. We know what the timing is, and we know it's going to go forward every Tuesday at three. That's just how this company rolls. We can all adapt around it. Mm. So now we have a new ability. We have the ability to run an effective meeting and the ability to know the cadence of this business and where I need to be when. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and, and this is kind of taking us into reducing what I, th I think the third one you mentioned uh, of these ability factors is, is physical effort, because already this has got to be starting to reduce physical effort across the organization, right? Well, you know what, Lawrence, I kind of cheated. I dropped out physical effort, and I also dropped out social deviance. But you're right, those are two other abilities. Physical effort yeah. is just the amount of energy it takes to run the business. So if we can run the business with less resources being consumed in management cycles, like, for example, getting together that, that deck of slides you described for an all-hands meeting, yay. The social deviance is the um, uh, bad behavior we see as people sabotage management practices because it usurps their authority or they don't like it or whatever the other issue is. So, you know, that's part of a cultural attribute of the organization, but it's also an ability, right? How can we agree this is how we run the business? I always think of like square dancing or ballroom dancing. There are rules that you need to follow to avoid stepping on your partner's toes. Right. You have to agree to those rules. And if you do, man, you can have a pile of fun. But if you don't, there's a whole bunch of conflict. Don't tell my wife I said that. But, you know, it just, the issue <laughs> is if we don't live by the rules, bad things happen. Sure. Okay. So have we, have we covered all of the abilities there? Uh, well, we, 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 
yes, we have almost kind of sort of. The one that we didn't <laughs> explicitly talk about is brain cycles. That's what you I know, thought, yeah. yeah. Giving people the space to think, right? Again, we're so busy bailing, we don't have time to turn off the tap. So we need yeah. to create a safe space, certainly when you set up the OKRs, but once a quarter, forever afterwards, where we stop working in the business and we think about working on the business. What can we do to make this business perform better? And we spend so much time working in the business that we don't create that space. And it's a different thinking mechanism. Literally go into a different room, sit in a different chair and have a different facilitator. You can't work in the business and on the business in the same meeting. Mm. Best example I can give you is, let's say you're running a, a weekly performance conversation and someone says, hey, we've got the wrong KR there. I want to change the key result. You do not debate it in the performance meeting. A simple example I always use is, you know, let's say the gas gauge is broken on your car. You mm -hmm. can use the odometer instead. You know, you've got 300 kilometers in your car. Not a problem. You just, you might have to fill it up more often, but I can keep using the asset. Now, right. eventually I need to get a better key result. But if I'm in the meeting having a debate about whether I fill up the car or not. Don't have a debate about, do I change from the odometer to a gas gauge? If the odometer is what you have going in the meeting, you use the odometer for the entire meeting. Call a different meeting to change the KR. Right? You cannot do it in the same meeting. So once a quarter, you need to have that meeting to work on the business, not in the business. Now, I'm going to give you another cheat for free. The cheat on this one is, if someone says they don't like the key result, not a problem, so long as you can give us an alternative. Yeah. You can't say, I don't like the odometer and run away. You can mm -hmm. say, I don't like the odometer, let's use this other metric instead. And that, here's why. That way, two things happen. One is you, yeah. you encourage the creativity of the organization. Secondly, the KR does not become an excuse or a pinata to uh, hide behind. Yeah, completely agree. Now, that had nothing to do with brain cycles, but it was a clever point. So back to brain cycles. Uh, <laughs> it's about giving people the right agenda to stop bailing and turn off the tap. So let me ask you this question then, because um, in, in the article that you wrote that inspired this podcast, you talk about brain cycles and, and you talk about using less brain cycles. Is that actually the point you want to hammer home, or is it about keeping the brain cycles um, more finely tuned and more specific to what you're trying to achieve in those brain cycles. Yeah, precisely. Um, you know, of course, you're you're right. The, the 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 issue is, you know, if you read Michael Hammer, uh, we're only about three percent value added. Ninety-seven percent of our time in the office is not adding value as seen by the customer. What we're trying to do is improve that number. I mean, if uh, we're just ninety. 3% non-value added, I would have still doubled the throughput of the organization. So how can I focus our brains on the things that matter, which in this case are creating space to work on the business instead of continually bailing? Hmm. It's not about thinking harder. It's about using our brains for uh, a better purpose. Yeah. And I think that's what, what we're all trying to do by listening to this podcast, isn't it? Well, either that or entertain ourselves while we get to work. <laughs> yeah, okay. Entertain can mean one of many things, so I think I'll, I'll leave that point right there. Um, so those are sort of the ability elements. Yeah. And you know, we have to 
mix the ability and motivation to actually mobilize the business. And I suppose you're going to say that's a segue for the next podcast. That That is a segue for the next podcast, but I... I find the ability stuff slightly harder to um, to digest than, than the motivator stuff. And maybe it's just me. Maybe everybody listening is perfectly okay with it. But I was just going to ask, what's the key takeaway here, really, from, from the ability side of things that we all need to be striving towards? So ability is more than, do I have numeracy? Can I find KRs and understand how to you know manage with facts and data? It's about... Um, allocating the time to work on the business, not in the business. It's about right. recognizing there will be social uh, deviance that I need to snuff out so that we don't have passive resistance behaviors. It's about setting up a routine where we have these meetings every week, fortnight, whatever you need, without fail, and recognizing that there are different types of thinking I need to apply to the problem. So the ability is more than the knee-jerk reaction of numeracy. Hmm. And, and does this all boil down really, Brett, to just simplifying everything that's going on? Uh, I would say that it is. The, the model is this. Because we operate in silos, we need more energy to go from one silo to the next. Hmm. But if we join them all together, I wouldn't need to be spending that energy. And what we're trying to do with OKRs is show the cross-functional nature of work so that it doesn't take all that energy to run the business. And I'm not busy defending my position. I'm busy defending the value streams that go across the organization. Yeah. And I think it's really important to say, you know, for, for everyone listening at home or on their commutes or wherever, is that... <laughs> They don't have to do all of this at once, right? They don't have to go into work tomorrow morning and implement every single thing that we've said over the past two podcasts right away. You know, they can start small and start simple and, and start to incrementally increase these things as, as the um, organization gets better at digesting it, I suppose. Oh, look at you. Now you're doing the segue for the next podcast. Yeah, the question <laughs> is, how do we get over that concave line between yeah. motivation and ability? Okay, and that's what we're going to come on to in podcast three, right? I'm thinking. Fantastic. Let's let's uh, shut ourselves up then before we uh, ruin the next podcast too much. <laughs> <laughs> um, Brett, once again, thank you so much. I'm I'm really excited for for the third and final part of the podcast, um, and you know, we'll move straight on to that. If anyone has any questions, please do get in touch with us. Um, for, for anything to do with motivation, anything to do with ability and, and what we can do to help. Um, but until then, have, have a great week. Thanks for listening and join us next time. Thanks again, Brett. Thank you.